Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're spending much of today taking a look back at the year 2022, and uh, one of the stories that has dominated the headlines, going back far beyond that, um, is healthcare. And as I said, healthcare is back in the forefront right now. Um, Canadian premiers expected to address the situation that they're facing in hospitals right across the country today, uh, primarily around children's hospitals at this point, but there's fear that it's going to end up moving into other areas as well. It's on the minds of everybody. Um, and we know it's been an issue in our province too. So let's find out what the year's been like. I mean, has there been any relief at all? We're going to chat with Dr. Shazma Mithani, who is an emergency room physician at the Royal Alec and the Stollery Children's Hospitals in Edmonton. She's joined us many times over this year to talk about what's going on in healthcare. Uh, Dr. Mithani, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me this morning. You know, when we go back to the start of the year, I was trying to remember what January was like. I mean, it was chaotic, but relatively speaking, would, was that a bit of a lull? Like, I imagine it was still, you know, all hands on deck and it was really, really busy. But was it a little bit less crisis level as it is right now? Um, so I had to actually, like, go back at my, the way that I had to remember the year in preparation for today was to go back to my tweet like at that yeah. time because it's so hard to remember what happened there's been so like much. 11 months ago right <laughs> there's been so much going on and so um in my mind i feel like it wasn't as bad but then when i go and look back at what was going on then um it's probably things that we've all forgotten so we were like right in the thick of wave five of COVID in january um going back at my to my tweets i realized that we had actually had an extended winter break at that point um, to get like tests and masks in schools. Like it's like all these things that I like don't even remember <laughs> happened were happening at that time. And we, you know, there was a statement by um, the AHSCO at the time, Dr. Verna Yu, where she was talking about how like, yes, COVID isn't as bad in the ice in the ICUs, but what we're seeing is like a non ICU surge. Um, and so there, there was, we were talking about field hospitals at that time. Again, like there are all these things yeah. that I had completely forgotten about um, because it feels like so much has happened in this in this last 12 months. And so, yeah, at the beginning of the year, we were like still right in the thick of wave five of COVID. We were over capacity and like looking for surge capacity at that time. Um, and so I guess even though it feels like how in terms of how bad things are now that in my mind, it feels like earlier in the year was a break. It doesn't really sound like it going back and looking at what I was tweeting about at that time. Has there been a break, Doc? I mean, we, I know we've talked throughout the year as things have gone up and down. Has there, I mean, when was the last time you actually felt like, hey, this is a relatively normal day in the ER? Has it happened in the last year, two years, three years? Definitely not in the last year. Um, like 100% not in the last year. There has been constant pressure, whether it's from COVID or the opioid crisis or now this, you know, triple-demic in the pediatric population that we're seeing. Um no, certainly not in this last year. We've had ongoing pressure. And I know that you and I talked, um, it was either in the early fall or in the summer, and we talked about how like the summer actually typically is a break normally, right? Under normal circumstances, let's say like pre-pandemic, 
the summer is typically a time where things slow down. People tend to, you know, um, travel, leave, leave the city, leave the province. And we typically see a bit of a lull in terms yeah. of the medical presentation to the acute care system. We did not see that this summer. Um, that's close enough that I remember it. Uh, where we didn't see that break that everybody was hoping for and looking for uh, in the healthcare worker workforce and in the in the hospital system, and so it really truly has been this this constant pressure uh, throughout the year of kind of one thing after the next with this overlying um, constant push of just patients being generally sicker, and and these are kind of the patients that continue to present to the emergency departments. I, I was wondering, you know, when I was thinking about what I'd like to ask you in terms of, okay, and we, we now know we've got the, the, the tridemic or whatever, however they're, whatever they're calling it, where we've got the RSV, the COVID and the flu sort of just ravaging things right now, especially when it comes to children's hospitals. And I wonder for somebody who's on the front lines working and saying, okay, we're maxed, we're stressed, and we can see this coming. It's day by day. We've seen this before. This is getting bad. This, what's that feeling like where you're sitting there saying, okay, we're flat out and we know we're not even halfway to where we're going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it al- you almost feel desensitized to it now. Like speaking for myself, it almost feels like I'm desensitized to it because it's always been like this for so long. We as healthcare workers have been, you know, trying to raise the alarm on this for <laughs> like innumerable months and years, if we're being honest. And it always just seems like there's something else that's coming. And all of these things, as you alluded to, are things that we could see coming, that we have seen coming, and that have been predictable, right? Every wave of COVID has been predictable. This tridemic has been predictable. Like, we, the infectious disease specialists were predicting that this was going to happen in the context of what we were seeing, you know, from our neighbors down south in Australia, because it's very predictive of what we see here in the northern hemisphere. So, I mean, we've just been trying to, like, brace ourselves. And honestly, it it just feels like, putting our heads down and trying to get through it and just hoping that things that we can hold it together, that the system can hold it together until we get past this current crisis and wait for the next crisis, whatever that's going to be. When we talk about these crises and it's just been one after the other, I mean, are they avoidable? Because I I, I take a look, I mean, I even saw a story from the UK this week talking about it could have been written about Alberta. I mean, it seems like a lot of these problems that we're dealing with here, they're dealing with in Ontario, they're dealing with in the U.S., they're dealing with in the U.K. It seems like a lot of the Western world is is going through the same thing right now. If, if you had to sit down and speak to a world leader or somebody with the power to fix this, what would you say you need right now? How can it be fixed, Doctor? Well, I think fixing it right now is the big million dollar question but i think the better question is what could have been done to prevent this from happening i think that there could have been things done to prevent this from happening i mean um if i were sitting down with any leader a world leader like the you know leader of a nation or a province i would tell them that we know that um you know all of these protections that have been dropped are going to lead to a severe respiratory season we know this so Mm -hmm. consider adding these protections back things like masking ventilation filtration but even more importantly than that, um, because that seems to be a controversial topic that leaders don't really want to, to approach, talk about vaccination. Like, get ahead. We could have gotten ahead of this. I mean, the current vaccination rate in Alberta for influenza is like under 30%, I, yeah, which is really, really disappointing. And even worse right? for kids. I think it's about one in five for kids. Yes, exactly. And, and what we know right now is that the, the virus that's causing the most, um, pressure in the acute care system and in the community is actually it's influenza it's influenza a 
And we have a vaccine for that. And this vaccine has been available since October. And there was no public health campaign or no prominent public health campaign to push people, to educate people in terms of the importance of knowing that this is what was coming and that this is how we can protect ourselves in pediatric patients in particular, like all of almost all of the severe outcomes that we're seeing are in patients who are unvaccinated for influenza who are getting admitted yeah. uh, with these diseases who are getting admitted with complications of, of influenza. And so really, if I if I could have talked to someone three or four months ago and and knew that they were going to listen, that's what I would tell them to, you know, go back to the basics of public health and preventative medicine, because that could have had a significant impact on reducing the amount of stress and pressure that we're seeing right now. And, and you've started up a great campaign on that. Do you have time to hang on for just a couple of minutes, then we'll come back and talk oh, yeah, about what yeah. you launched this year? Okay, great. We're chatting with Dr. Shazma Bethany, who is an ER doc um, at the... Uh, Royal Alec in Edmonton and the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton. And she's, you know, she's talking about public health and, and education, those sorts of things. She's taking it upon herself. She's not just talking about it. We'll tell you about a project that she launched when we come back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're chatting with Dr. Shazma Mathani, an ER doc at the Royal Alec and the Stollery Children's Hospital, and we've been talking about the year in healthcare and what it was. And I, um, I, I want to talk to her about this. Really, uh, she talked about her social media. She sort of started a campaign this year that I think is so so valuable. Um, Dr. Mathani, I just wonder, was it was it born out of frustration? Was it uh, why did you decide that you know what? Uh, maybe I'll take a, a social media campaign where I can try and provide a little public health education to to my followers. Yeah, it, um, so it was kind of a pivot away from uh, COVID information, right? Because yeah, the way yeah. that I've gained this uh, following on social media over the last couple of years is just, uh, I hope, being a trusted source of information for COVID. And it became apparent to me uh, a couple of things. One, that um, more and more people were getting their health information, their general health information from social media. And that uh, although COVID isn't over, uh, people were were sick of hearing about it. And so I thought, well, how can I kind of engage with this captive audience to still get important health information out there? And so I decided to kind of pivot, uh, not completely away from COVID, because it's certainly something that shows up in my videos and in my um, other posts on social media. But just in terms of like pivoting to what I'm seeing in the emergency department and um, seeing the the growing and, and constant pressure of patients in the emergency department, I wanted to be able to get some information out there to educate people on common things that I was seeing with the hope that uh, these could be things that could be managed at home and hopefully um, keep people out of the ER and save uh, everybody um, time and effort and, and kind of help educate people on what can be seen in the emerger, what should be seen versus what can be seen in the community by people, family doctors and pediatricians. And so it kind of was born out of that. Um, and it's, Taken off definitely more than I was expecting, and very pleasantly surprised with with the with the engagement that I've had on it. And like you say, I mean, it's a lot of the things. And I mean, my kids are older now, but I remember when we were 
raising the little ones. It's more it's more questions than anything else. I mean, you don't know and you're not sure and you get worried and you get nervous. And I think is that sort of, hey, I, I can help you with some of these things because I see them all day, every day. I can give you some of the answers before you even ask the question. Is it that simple? That's exactly it. I mean, there are so many things. And lately, the focus has definitely been on the pediatric population, yeah. but there are things that are relevant to adults, too. Even like one of my first videos was um, stopping a nosebleed effectively. And that is something that we see in all all ages, so commonly in the emerge in terms of like, is this something that's really bad? What could be causing this? How do I stop it? Right. So answering and addressing all those questions, like you mentioned, Shay, um, what my head, I had a video on cough and post-viral cough and how it tends to linger on. And that's a very common question that I see in adults and pediatrics in terms of whether a lingering cough means that it's pneumonia and like all these questions kind of addressed um, in these videos. And yeah, so the idea is definitely to preemptively answer the concerns and the questions of um, the general population to help be able to keep them at home where it's definitely more comfortable for everybody and that's so important like when you take a look right now we know that the er's are just i mean you're looking at a wait if you're taking a kid in who's not you know urgently ill you're probably going to have to wait a good chunk of time so i mean it's it's sort of preemptive hey here's some of the things that maybe you can handle at home you don't have to get yourself into that mess exactly exactly that's you know it nobody likes waiting um, we as healthcare providers hate for people to have to wait as long as they do. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the state of the current system right now. And so if, if these videos can help reassure people, um, and give them the education and, and, and tools that they need to be able to stay home, then, um, you know, it's making a positive impact. Um, I know we're not at the peak. We're, we're not, we haven't maxed out with this current uh, tridemic or whatever it's being called. Um, what, what's on the horizon? I mean, how frustrating is it to know that it just seems like there's one crisis around the corner after the last one? I mean, what's, what's your looking forward? What's your hope? What's your expectation, doctor? You know, I hope that decision makers can just finally learn from what is happening. Um, these are crises all of the ones that have happened in this last year are ones that could have been not necessarily completely avoided, but certainly mitigated in a significant fashion. And it, it feels as though um, there are all these lessons to be learned and none of them are being learned and being actioned. And so my hope and expectation from our elected officials um, are, is that we start to actually learn from these things. I mean, focus on the importance of vaccinations, focus on the importance of, um, what we call NPIs, non-pharmacologic inter intervention, so protection measures, right? Focus on these things that we know are going to be helpful. And then really in terms of a system-wide um, view, focus on primary and preventative care. I mean, things like new hospitals and ICUs are very sexy plans that, that all elected officials like to be able to announce, but that's not actually what we need. That's very expensive care. Um, what we need to really focus on is keeping people out of the acute care system and getting everybody a family doctor, a pediatrician, focusing on public and preventative health um, with vaccines and really just shifting the mindset um, to focus on keeping people generally healthy and keeping them out of the acute care system um, to, to be able to preserve it for, for generations to come. Yeah, and that's what we all need and what we all want. Um, Dr. Metheny, I know you're incredibly busy going through all of this stuff, and I really appreciate you joining us as often as you do and giving us sort of a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on in our healthcare system. Thank you so much. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.